The sound brings me Our back home is finally built. to this moment. It's as if I wrote this, but without tragedy, only truth. Living with or against the earth. Who are these people we've become? The one people I spent I'm calling you on the telephone like you asked me to. Do you remember telephone calls? I'm glad you asked. This is Active Listening, a new dramatist's podcast series that invites the resident playwrights to experiment with story, intimacy, and immediacy through sound experiences. This initiative was born of the questions that became urgent as our pandemic lockdowns began. What are creative alternatives to gathering together in rooms? What might a play for the ear sound like? Each episode is written, recorded, and produced by a different resident playwright. This one features work by Ariel Stess, who writes, The stage play positions audiences within the intimate thoughts of these characters. But in a theater, the actors and audience are still quite far away from each other. I wanted to try this as an audio piece to bring these voices closer. This is Cara and Emma and Barbara and Miranda, parts one and two, by Ariel Stess. Part one, Cara. In a big house on a mountain. When I come home to him in our family, he is as he usually is, gentle and smart and preoccupied. He is paying one-fourth of attention to me and three-fourths of attention to his business, his fantasies, or maybe our babysitter. Having one-fourth of a man's attention is as good as it will ever be. Our home is finally built. The hallways smell like paint and sawdust. Dennis, my husband, walks up and down them after the boys go to bed, drinking from his glass of scotch. I busy myself in the kitchen, going through bills and greeting cards, tossing receipts and wiping down our counters. I wonder, has Seth remembered to put in his retainer before bed? Has Lucas washed his face? The outside desert is buzzing, but when I peer through our windows to the outside, I only see myself. Wispy hair and floating eyes. When Dennis finds me at the kitchen counter, he says, I've missed you. When he kisses me, he thanks me for taking such good care of my dying mother in Fort Lauderdale. We have sex. He feels like a building inside my twirling body, and it is not satisfying. I feel I am ricocheting off our walls, but we have barely moved. Tomorrow we take the boys to camp, he says. I nod. I'm going to miss them. The babysitter, Emma, I say. This evening, when we dropped her off at her home, the boys seemed so attached to her. Do you think they forgot me while I was away? Three months is a long time for kids to be without their mom, Dennis says. Dennis grabs strawberry banana orange juice from our fridge. After taking two big gulps, he leaves the juice on the counter. I twist my skirt around so that the tag is toward the back again. He pulls his jeans back on and blows his nose. But no, baby, I don't think they forgot you. They can't ever forget their mom, he says. I open the fridge and place the juice on the shelf of the door. It wobbles as I close it. My fingerprints, still faint on this refrigerator handle, the stainless steel, mark my daily rituals. 
I've tried to wipe them off before. It never works. Tonight I have a lot of work to catch up on, love. All right, if I don't make it to bed for a while. I'm so glad you're home. I'm sorry about your lovely mother. She was so good and strong, he says. It's been a long day. I'll be happy to have some me time. Good night, love, I say. I don't brush my teeth. I toss my clothes into the bin and slip on my oversized t-shirt. The bed is cold but refreshing. The sheets feel stiff and clean. I shudder as I fall asleep. Between bits of twirling dreams, I see my mother standing tall and straight and proud. There's a world of joy coming through her eyes. Part 2. Emma, in Dennis and Cara's Range Rover and at her mom's house. I feel so small in Dennis and Cara's family car. Seth and Lucas tell me they'll miss me while they're away. I open the back door and hop out. Remember to write me from camp. We will, they yell back in unison. I go to the driver's side window and Dennis thanks me for my work tonight with the boys, says what a good babysitter I am. He asks if my mom is home yet. I shake my head no. She's out dancing and won't be home for quite a while. You okay to be alone? He asks. He has forgotten my age. I'm 21 years old, I say. I'll be fine. Thanks. We'll see you soon then, Emma. He says, and smiles. In the passenger seat, Kara pulls the mirror down. A light flickers on, glowing down onto her brow while she checks her mascara and the shape of her eyes. Dennis speeds out of the gravel lot. His car disappears in the end of the sunset. I use the combination I've used for years to open the garage door. I can hear the sound of the weight of the door. Inside, puddles of oil dot the floor and boxes are clumped along the perimeters. My mother has never unpacked from her divorce 14 years earlier. I shut the door and head inside and wonder if I really will see Dennis soon. Will he follow through with his plan to be with me? To pick me up and drive far, far away? Guys are super fickle, I remember. So, you know, we'll see. I climb the stairs up to my mother's bedroom where the salmon furniture is covered in a thin film of dust. My mother's patio door is swollen shut, I guess, because of all the rain this summer and the fact that her fuck buddy left town a year ago and stopped fixing shit around here. I use the weight of my body to pull the door open and go outside. Phew-wee, so pretty out here. I get myself up onto the roof, grab my cigarettes from the back pocket of my jeans, and light one. I exhale into the far-off pink and firelight at the bottom of the sky. I'm so high up and can see so much of the land from up here, and it makes me think I could just walk along the whole continent in a few big strides. I'm a giant, I think. I'm a giant, I accidentally say. I've been spacing out for hours, just imagining a hundred futures. Me and Dennis building our own home in another southwestern town full of money and confusion and need. 
Me away at school presenting a book report to a class full of rich kids who are finally impressed by my, um, acumen and eloquence. Me in Hawaii learning to surf and taking shifts at a local juice bar. Me with a young, sexy, brown-haired boyfriend, like Jake from Sixteen Candles, who is massaging me and whispering that I'm beautiful and saying, I think it's cool that you don't know how to cook yet. There's still time to learn. It's after midnight. My lips are chapped. I fell asleep up here. Barbara's home. What are you doing up? She asks. So you decided to come home? I had a really fun night with Danny. Please don't say more, I say. He's a good guy when he settles down. Please, no more, Barbara. Fine, she says. She comes inside and then walks out onto the balcony. She can see me from there looking down at her. You're still smoking? She asks. Yes, I say. It's not good for you. Can I get another one? Barbara throws a pack of American spirits up to me. Sure, don't listen to me. I'm only your mother, she mumbles. Ugh, like that matters. You still spending time with that man? What man? That married man? I'm taking care of his children, Barbara. Okay, but I think you should stay away from that family. And what, come work with you at their restaurant? You work for them too. Well, at least then it wouldn't be so... She's like searching the whole universe for some word. Intimate. Doesn't sound much better. Restaurant work can get intimate, too. I'm going to bed. You're going to wake me when you come down. I'll be quiet. You never wake up, I think. I inhale. Thanks for these. My mother eventually turns out her lights. The stars are tiny and everywhere. My mouth is dry, and I wonder if I should start to pack. My phone rings. It's Dennis. Hello? It's me. I know. Hi. Why are you so quiet? My mom came home. She's asleep. Are you packing? Should I be? Yes. Are you, um, sure that I'm good enough for you? That I'll be enough for you? Oh, my God. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's been a weird night with Kara, your wife, coming home, picking her up at the airport, your long embrace. I don't know. So, I should be packing? I always keep my word, Emma. You don't have to second-guess me. I pick up my journal and start to write. I am a bullet traveling through a sea of people who know who they are and what they're doing, and I have sliced through their goals and their plans and upended their rituals and deadlines and phone calls and holidays. Now, they all look down in unison to see that they have a hole in their chests and cold air is pushing through them. 
They turn the heat up in their big middle-class homes or stand pulsing next to their upper-class fireplaces and dance and hook up and stretch inside their silk or down or wool comforters. But they cannot stop the chilly air streaming through their chests. This is what I will accomplish in this life. I will pierce the people who have made it and push a draft into the lives they worked so hard to build. I finish writing in my journal and pack it into my suitcase. I add a lavender neck pillow, for calmness, and zip it up. Tomorrow, after he drops his boys off at camp, he's going to pick me up and take me out of here. You just heard Kara and Emma and Barbara and Miranda, Parts 1 and 2, by Ariel Stess. It was voiced by Ariel Stess, with audio engineering by Stephen Simolchik. Active Listening is a project of New Dramatists and is produced by Corinne Keithley-Sires and Melissa Tien. More information on the series and a sonic visualization of each episode can be found by going to newdramatists.org slash active listening. New Dramatists is one of the country's leading playwright centers and a nationally recognized new play laboratory. Its mission is to provide playwrights with time, space, and resources in the company of gifted peers to create work, realize their artistic potential, and make lasting contributions to the theater. Active listening is made possible with generous support from the Venturous Theater Fund of the Tides Foundation.